Welcome to the Seek 24 podcast. My name is John Michael Lucido, and this podcast will feature some of our favorite podcasters recorded live at the Spoke Street Media Booth during Seek 24 in St. Louis. We hope these give you a glimpse of the energy and passion from the conference and help you in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Well, welcome everybody into this live episode at Seek. Let me hear you. There we go. Yeah. One of those audience participation things. It's great. My name is Chad Etzel and I am a leadership coach for Focus. I'm Jessica Navin and I am senior manager of spiritual formation for Focus. And each of us have our own podcasts and we're going to do a little bit of an intro into our podcast. I host a podcast called Catholic Single and Flourishing. And it's for all you singles out there who really want to live life to the fullest and flourish as a Catholic single, but also still be able to prepare for marriage. So I have a number of episodes from dating to money to other things like how to grow in virtue, how to build character. And so that's what my podcast is all about. And I host He Leadeth Me, which is a spiritual formation podcast for focused staff, students, and friends. And so on that podcast, we cover everything from discerning God's will to how to go deeper in prayer and everything that relates to the spiritual life. So be sure to check out He Leadeth Me and Catholic Single and Flourishing on your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, so on and so forth, wherever you get podcasts, as they say. And today we're going to be talking about the Seek theme, which is Be the Light. That's the the theme here at Seek. And for this episode, we're going to be talking about Be the Light in your Catholic single years, because there's a lot of resources out there for marriage and discerning priesthood and religious life that it's very easy that sometimes we might feel forgotten as single people. And we wanted to create a resource, in particular today, a podcast for all of you out there who really want this type of resource for you in your single life. So just a couple of questions that we had and we're going to be discussing throughout this podcast Number one, I think a lot of times the common experience being single is we often feel forgotten about and we don't feel like we are the light. I I think about that. It's because we feel maybe we're in a time of transition because it's like, okay, one day, you know, my life is going to begin when I get married or I enter that religious order. So that's sometimes what happens during this time or this season of singleness. But Jessica, why do you think that singles don't feel like they are the light. I have so many thoughts on that, Chad. And I think that you brought up a really important point that the single life is treated as a time of transition. And so if you're a student, you can be overly anxious about what is my vocation? Am I called to priesthood or religious life? And you can make a timeline for yourself. And if you see your friends getting engaged, joining religious orders, you can start to feel anxious, like I haven't graduated yet. I need to make sure that I am in my vocation when I'm supposed to be. And who created that timeline? Did God create that timeline or did you? But that can contribute to you feeling forgotten, to you feeling like you are not the light as much as people who are married or who are in religious life. But also I think that sometimes we emphasize more with single people what they do rather than who they are. If you're a mother or a father, when you describe yourself to others, you're describing your relationships. Whereas when you're a single person, you say, well, I'm a student or I work for Focus or I do this job. And you can start to feel like a worker bee, 
like all you are is what you do. And that really gives you an incredible longing. Like I want to be more than what I do. I want to be in relationship with others. And that's, that's a tremendous suffering for single people, but it can contribute to them feeling like they are not the light as much as their peers who are in an established vocation. Yes. And, and that I think is an important thing to remember of who we really are. What is our identity? And in particularly identity in, in relationship with God the Father and also our relationship with our, our peers and our friends. You know, I think that another struggle in the single life is just that sometimes there isn't sensitivity to the struggle of being single. I think sometimes people who are married might say to single people, oh, you're so lucky that you still get to sleep in. I don't get that. When really the single person would give anything to not be able to sleep in because they're taking care of their children. And so that can kind of be like a person who has a house saying to a homeless person, you're so lucky that you don't have a mortgage. We need to be very cognizant of the fact that there are real struggles with single people that they often really do want to be in their vocation, in marriage and religious life, and they're not yet. And that's a suffering that they offer up to God. Definitely. And I also think, too, one of the struggles of being single in today's day and age again, being at a transitory type of stage in life, we see in the secular culture, it's very romanticized. We're getting through the holiday season where there's a lot of movies out there. And a lot of them are very romantic, heavy, or family-oriented movies. And it's very easy for us as single people to look and say, oh, hey, that's something that I want, which is a good desire. But oftentimes it can be seen as, hey, that's something that I just don't have. And therefore, my, my life is a mess because I don't have it. Yeah, I'm not as good as other people. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the, I, I think with that, the church has been able to give us the gifts of having great marriage prep, theology of the body, so on, to a lot of really good content that focuses on, on marriage and religious life as well with those, those resources. But I think also within that, sometimes because there's not as many resources out there for single people, you can kind of feel like, oh, it's left out. That's for the other people. And I'm just supposed to kind of live my life waiting for that time to begin. Yeah, you're right. Well, so that brings us to another question here is, what does it mean to be the light? So the, the theme for Seek is be the light, but what does it mean to be the light? You know, I think that people often miss that there's a very rich theology around light in the scriptures. So at the very beginning of the scriptures, in Genesis, it says that God created light. So light in the time of the scriptures always came from fire. So God is revealing himself as the first fire starter. And the purpose of this fire is both on the natural level, it's to create light so that we can have life, so that we can see and become who we are meant to be. But there's also a supernatural purpose to light because fire is where light comes from. And throughout the scriptures, God is sending fire from heaven. And the ultimate place that he does this is in the temple to receive the sacrifices of the people. So when Jesus comes and he says, I have come to set the world on fire and how I wish it was already blazing. As modern Americans, we tend to think, oh, that's cool. I'm a little pyro, I like fire. Jesus means so much more than that. It's not just a cute analogy. Jesus means that he has come to restore temple worship. Amen. And so, yes, in the temple, we have the fire that consumes the sacrifices and that brings light so that we are able to worship. So when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, 
He means that on a natural level, you bring light to society. You help others find the way to God. But then on an even greater supernatural level, it means that you lead others to worship. And you can do that in any state of life, whether you are single, married, or religious. You can bring others to worship God. And I think that that's the key point there is being the light. You can be the light in any sort of state of, of life. And that's what is, is very important in, in getting into talking about vocation. Because we hear that, hear that word a lot. You'll hear it at, at the conference, this word vocation. And I'm going to go into a little bit of what that means because I think it's helpful to just kind of define the terms. Because there's actually several different layers to the word vocation. And starting with this idea that all of us are called to be the light. All of us are called to bring in and restore authentic worship of God like what we had the light in the temple, we are called to do that, every single one of us. We have a universal call to holiness. We have a universal call to be in a relationship with God, loving God, loving neighbor. So that's an important thing to start with, that every single one of us, our primary vocation is to be in relationship with God. That's where it starts, and it doesn't change. Being in relationship with God, being the light, that doesn't change no matter what state we're in. But then you mentioned state in life, which is marriage, priesthood, religious life. Those are oftentimes thrown out as vocation and how this is your, your vocation. One day, right now, maybe you're in transition as a single person. One day you might enter into that vocation, whether it's marriage or priesthood, religious life. And so that's another layer of what vocation could mean. And in addition to that, there is a third one, which is often talked about in, in a secular context, which is, the secular term is vocation usually means some sort of occupation or some sort of career. So the, those are all the different layers of how you might hear vocation. So oftentimes, just as you, you go about the conference, remember your primary vocation is your relationship with God and being a light to the world. And then secondarily, sometimes you're discerning something that's more permanent, which is marriage, priesthood, religious life. You know, Chad, in my work as a spiritual director and doing spiritual formation for Focus, a lot of times people will ask me, is the single life a vocation? And uh, I'm interested to hear, what do you think about that? So if you go back to the, the whole idea of vocation, vocation means to call. It comes from the Latin vocare, meaning to call. So every single one of us in some way, shape or form, we are called to something. And as I said, it's like yeah. being in, a, in relationship with God so I, I think in a certain sense, yes. But it's, it's a different vocation than something like marriage, which you make a vow for, or priesthood or religious life, which you make a vow for. Yeah. I don't know. What you do know, you... I always thought that vocation implied a vow and permanence. And so I would have said, no, the single life is not a vocation because it does not involve a vow, a promise, or permanence. And yet I was researching this topic and I realized the church does not actually say that. That's something that is a developing theology that some theologians have talked about, but that's not an official ruling, which I think that's why it's so important what you were saying, that the first vocation is the call to holiness. And we need to pursue whatever is going to help us to be holy, to grow in relationship with God. Yeah, and, and when we were researching this, we're trying to find some official teaching on vocation. And we were just running across some more official documents on the priesthood and maybe some religious life, but it wasn't really in terms of the word, how we use it today, as clear as, hey, this is what vocation means. 
So going back to the Latin, I think is important. But what I also pulled up is a document. It's from Vatican II. And what it says in that document is that Christ fully reveals man to himself and makes his supreme calling clear. What do you recognize in that is that supreme calling, calling is vocation. So our supreme calling is to look at Christ and follow his example. And what's his example? Laying his life down for his friends. Exactly. So that, that gives us the idea of how do we do this as single people? How do we live this calling as single people? And that's to see Christ. And it's not to do whatever the heck we want, but it's to lay our lives down for the service of others. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, I, I think what one of the big struggles that being single comes with is that we see other people getting married. Many of our peer group, they're getting married. But, and, and we see that we want that. There's a tangible aspect to that because we think about vocation. It's very clear, hey, here's my family. That's who I lay my life down for. Or priesthood, religious life, we have this religious community. That's who I lay my life down for. Or that's the mission I lay my life down for. But it's a lot more vague when it comes to being a single person, right? It's not as clear. And so that's something that God gives us the opportunity in our discernment to be able to, to navigate what is God calling me to today. Mm-hmm. So what was interesting is as we were getting ready for this episode, we kicked around some ideas, some titles. And particularly for those in a prolonged state of, of being single, we, we thought about the title of calling this episode, Am I Doomed to the Vocation of Singleness? I wanted to go with that, actually, but you thought that was a little too negative. Yeah, I was afraid it might drive some of these, these people away. And I'm glad that they stayed as long as they have, so this is great. But I, I think it's, it's a very loaded title, but I think within that, this is me coming from a coach, coaching people with, through some of this stuff, being a single person, doing Catholic single coaching, and then you as a spiritual director as well. That tends to underlie a lot of the conversation or a lot of the questions what, what do you think? What has been your experience as a spiritual director? Yeah, so when people ask that question, you can tell what they're really saying is, is God going to give me what I don't want for my life? Am I doomed to the single life? And sometimes what we don't want does come to us, but God is always with us in that. And I think that when people are wondering, am I going to be doomed to being single forever? What they most commonly ask me is, how should I pray? Should I pray, not my will, but yours be done? Or should I pray, ask and you shall receive? And if I pray, ask and you shall receive, am I actually just clinging to what I want? And my answer is we have to look at the prayer of Jesus. When Jesus was in his agony in the garden, he prayed, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass for me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus prayed both of those prayers in the same breath. It wasn't one or the other. And sometimes people will say to me, yeah, but I, I asked God, in Jesus' name, please give me a husband. And you know, my friend did the same thing and she didn't get what she wanted. Well, Jesus says, ask and you shall receive, not ask and then compare yourself to others. <laughs> when you are struggling to believe God's promises, you just need to continue to read his word and understand that he is a good father and he keeps his promises. And sometimes the answer to that promise is much, much bigger than you ever realized it was gonna be. Maybe somebody keeps praying and wants to be married, and yet that's on a natural level. And if they keep praying that prayer, please send me a husband, that person might realize that God is actually the spouse that he intends for you. 
And he did answer that prayer for a spouse. It's just he answered it in a much bigger way than you were intended. Yeah, I, I really love that connection to the agony in the garden. Because I think with being single, a lot of times there's that ache, there's that agony. And I, I think about Jesus himself, who he was 30 years old when he began his active ministry. Much of his life was just spending time doing his, I guess, carpentry, so to speak. It was much more than a carpenter, but that sort of day-to-day normal living, but entered into his ministry at 30 and then died at 33, as tradition holds. And he enters into this agony and he suffers. But that, I think, is something that we can enter into, experiencing that, that pain, that ache, that agony as single people, ultimately recognizing, as you said, that it's our relationship with God. That's really even what marriage is about. It's not about falling in love and living happily ever after, but it's about falling in love, learning how to love one another, learning how to die to yourself, and how that leads both of you closer to God. That's such an important point. Vocation is a means, but it's not the only means to attaining relationship with God, to attaining holiness. Yes. And then in addition to that, I mentioned the overly romanticized culture. That is... The, the promise from the secular culture tends to be that you will be fulfilled if you get this relationship. And I think that that's in our minds and that weighs us down a lot. But what I've found is doing my research, doing my coaching, is that I have found that a lot of Catholic singles are looking for their vocation, but really on a deeper level, what we're really looking for is purpose. That we see the vocation as the means to get to that purpose of fulfillment and happiness that, that the, ultimately the God-inspired purpose gives us. So I think that's the first question that we need to step back and ask us is going back to that question of, is the single life a vocation? Well, what is God calling me to today? Whether or not in the future he may call me to priesthood, religious life, marriage, and so on. So that being said, we are called to be the light no matter what state of life we're in. How are Catholic singles called to be the light? I love that question because... I am single and I love being single because I love that I have radical availability to serve God and others. I'll give you an example. Just a few weeks ago, I had a mission partner who was suddenly diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and she was fading very quickly. And so I drove to the city that she was in and I prayed with her and she died just a few days later. And I was actually the person who received her last words, which were a prayer. And as I was driving home from that experience, I got a text from one of my coworkers saying, our baby is in the hospital. Can you please come and be with our family? So I brought the family dinner and I prayed with them. But both of those experiences happened on the same day where I'm dealing with a very young life and a life that is passing from this world. And I was able to minister to their needs because I'm single, because I had radical availability. If I was married or in a religious community, I would have other obligations and I might not have been able to come. But because I'm single, I was able to receive the last words of a dying woman and help a family that was going through a crisis with their baby. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, so there's there's a time which we have more so for availability and serving others. And I, I love that example because that's a good example of you pouring your life out for other people. And that's, as I've been talking about, Christ reveals man to himself and makes his calling clear that we pour ourselves out. We lay our life down for our friends. So I think that that's a a wonderful example there. I I would also add in there, focus teaches something. It's the habits of a missionary disciple. 
and you'll hear a little bit about this if you hang around Focus and at this conference probably you'll hear about this, but I'm gonna go through those very, very quickly. But again, this is how to be the light, especially in your single years. Number one is divine intimacy. Divine intimacy means cultivating a deep and personal friendship with Jesus through prayer. And our availability is much, much more usually in the single life than in the married life to really cultivate that prayer, that time of prayer. So divine intimacy is number one. Number two is authentic friendship. Genuinely loving the people we are serving, accompanying them and personally investing in their lives. So there's that love of God, divine intimacy, number one. Authentic friendship, which is number two. Just as what you did with with your friends there and those stories you shared. And then number three is vision for the little way of evangelization. Vision for the little way of evangelization. So like Jesus, what we do isn't just simply hang out with people, but we bring the gospel to them. And then we teach them how to bring the gospel to other people, how to be the light to other people. So that's how we as single people can really engage in that on a a deeper level. I think with people who are married, it's a lot more in their family or people in religious communities, they may be doing a lot more with their religious community or maybe they have a charism for the homeless, they're doing that there. But we all have this this ability to reach others, especially in the day-to-day where maybe clergy or religious orders can't reach or married people can't really reach because we have that time and that availability. Yes, and it's such a gift. I love being single because of those things that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And and I think to add on to that, in those those three habits, is really thinking and digging into vocation. Intentional time to pursue your vocation. So I'm adding kind of a fourth habit here. It's not really the fourth habit of focus, but really creating that time to discern, maybe discern your vocation or take steps towards your vocation. Because if you really feel called to marriage, I I hear about some examples sometimes where people go to do ministry and get sucked into all the busyness and the urgency of ministry. And then that doesn't allow them to pursue their vocation. And in particular, it's like, maybe we just get so busy with our day to day that we don't take the time to go meet other people to create those opportunities to have more dates, to move towards marriage and so on. So I think that's something to keep in mind of intentionally creating the space in our schedules to take steps forward towards our maybe more permanent vocation. I think that's so important. We need to take steps. Taking steps towards your vocation gives you freedom. And your vocation will ultimately lead to both your happiness and also to challenges that will help you grow in the spiritual life but you don't want to delay your happiness. Yep. So that's that. We're going to wrap up a little bit of the initial, I guess, talk, if you will, sort of the conversation. Just thinking about, hey, be the light. What does it mean to be the light? Why do singles not think that they are the light? A lot of that connected to this time just feeling like it's transitory. But in reality, how are we called to be the light? It's through our time and our availability, through these habits of being a missionary disciple, the divine intimacy, authentic friendship, and vision for the little way of evangelization, and also making the the time to pursue those next steps in our vocation. What we have now is some questions that were submitted beforehand, and we're going to go through some of those questions. So first question here, what are some tips for living in the present moment, and maybe even living mission, I would add in here, what are some of the so what are some tips for living in the present mo- moment during your single life? 
and avoid falling into the despair cycle. So it's really easy to always be living in the future, living in a daydream, and even being anxious about the future. Is God going to give me the thing that I want? Am I going to be happy in the future? And anxiety just leads to unhappiness in the present. So in the present moment, uh, it's really important to be aware that God is living within you. God is sending you people each day to minister to. And I'd also add that if you are unhappy that you're not in your vocation, that is a wonderful thing to offer to the Lord as a sacrifice for the salvation of souls. Maybe there's someone in your family who is not converted to the Lord yet. Offer up your unhappiness or even your anxiety about your vocation for that person's salvation. And that's an incredibly powerful prayer before God. And then also with the falling into despair, I would just encourage people to read God's promises. Jesus promises that if two or three of you agree upon earth about anything you shall ask for, it shall be given to you by my Father in heaven. That's a really big promise. Why don't you take Jesus up on that promise? Domino's promises that they'll deliver you a pizza in 30 minutes, and you believe them, and you wait and you look at your clock and you're like, 31, 31, I'm getting this pizza free, even though it doesn't really even cost that much. You still believe in the promise of Domino's. If you just believe in the promises of Jesus, you will break through that cycle of despair. Wow, I didn't know about Domino's. I need to pay more attention to my pizza time ordering and all that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you take them up on their promise. What I, what I would add into that, just being single and avoid falling into the, the despair cycle, I think what's very, very important is to acknowledge what it is that you're feeling. Maybe even putting a label on that word, that emotion, that feeling that you're experiencing. A lot of single people might be going through, hey, I feel lonely here. I think it's very important to acknowledge what that feeling is and to, to put some words to it, number one, but then also validate it to, to tell yourself it's okay to feel this way. I think one thing I was once told is that feelings are information. Feelings are not bad. Feelings are information. In that information, we can then take toward to the Lord and ask him, what is he trying to teach, teach us? Because you think about Jesus, who's in the agony, a garden, of, a garden of Gethsemane, experiencing the agony in the garden. There we go. He's feeling some sort of uncomfortable emotion. Again, it's not a bad emotion. It's not sinful. But he's experiencing something that is, is painful. But the Lord wants to speak to him through that. So I think that's something that we, it's, it's important for us to recognize what are the emotions that we are experiencing and it's okay to feel this way and God wants to speak to us in particular when it comes to this, this sort of experience. And then what that does is then it frees us up to be able to live and be present in the moment. To recognize, okay, God has called me to this right now, even if I'm uncomfortable, but there's something that he is calling me to do that maybe I wouldn't have the opportunity to do when I was, yeah, when I, if I were married. And, and I think about this just to, to share a little bit of my own life. I've been a missionary in, in some capacity for the last decade. And I wouldn't have done that had I gotten married eight years ago, right? I probably would have been in and out. But just being able to, to serve others, to engage in ministry and to work with others, it's created some of the greatest memories and moments in my own life. And I, I have to thank God for that because I had that availability to engage in serving others in that way. Yeah. All right, next question. 
How can you build a practice of growing in virtue while you're single? And in particular, how can you prepare for marriage and growing in virtue where right now as a single person, you don't have a screaming baby, but you want to be prepared for that one day or maybe getting to that point of mastering personal finances in your marriage, but right now you're just single. How do you build that practice of virtue getting to that? I think that's such a great question because the subtle danger of the single life is that you can become wrapped up in yourself. And especially if you're unhappy that you're single, you can really get wrapped up in yourself. And it's hard to get wrapped up in yourself when there's a screaming baby that you need to take care of. So how in the single life can you make sure that you don't get wrapped up in yourself, but that you're continuing to learn how to love? And for me, one little practice that I do is every morning I wake up and I ask myself, who am I going to do an act of charity for today? Who can I really love today? And I'll pick maybe a friend who's going through a difficult time or a student who's reached out to me with vocational questions or discernment questions. And I'll try to think of very specific ways that I can love that other person. And then I've started off my day thinking about others and thinking about how I can serve God. And after that, everything else just comes together. I'm thinking about God, not myself. Yes, yes. And that, that reminds me of something. And I, there was a quote somewhere about, we're all called to the vocation of love. So number one is you're building that habit of loving the people who are in front of you. And ultimately, whoever it is that comes across your path. But you're living that vocation now, which is so important because it's easy to just think, hey, my vocation's at some point in the future. But now, what you do now, the way you practice your life now is how you're going to live your vocation. That's what's, what's very important here. And I, I just think about this where there's people in our lives, whether it's people that we work with or there's people who we, we live with, our roommates, that even as a single person, you can learn how to love them because they're going to do something that bothers you. But learning how to love, whether it's just, hey, this is actually not a big deal or actually going forward and bringing this up, even if it's painful, to bring up difficult conversations those are ways that you are learning how to grow in love because you will have to have difficult conversations in marriage or difficult conversations in religious orders. I think a lot of people oftentimes think religious orders is just like this perfect, happy place. But I don't know, maybe you can attest to, to something like this. From I was in one and it is not perfect, but it's definitely happy. And we're all growing in virtue together and we're working on our faults together and we have to forgive each other and learn from mistakes. And yep. so, yeah, religious orders aren't perfect and marriage isn't perfect either. So you have to learn how to love other people. And you can begin to learn that in your single years. I think another thing that I would add in into this conversation is budgeting. This, this question submitted something about budgeting with the spouse. But money is one of those things that touches basically every area of our lives. And that's why it's important to get in the habit of at least putting something simpler together as a single person, because that's what can carry into marriage. Because in marriage, there's even more areas that finances can touch in. And then even in religious orders, they need some finances to be able to carry out their mission as well. So being able to start with where you are right now, learn how to build that habit. I'm just using that as one example, but that habit of taking care of your personal finances are, is, is a very important step forward. All right, next question. Outside of solidifying what my vocation is, 
Does the church provide any guidance on how I should spend my time as a single person? Well, I think that's what we were just talking about. Yes, the church does. When Jesus says at the Last Supper, love one another as I have loved you. The church's guidance for your single years is the same as the church's guidance for when you're married, when you are 92 years old. You're still called to love. Love one another as I have loved you. Yeah, and this question asks particularly about what do I do with my time? How do I spend my time as a single person? We've talked a lot about, hey, we have a lot more availability. So being able to pour ourselves out for other people is, is definitely a big, important step there. So it's not about how do I just find all the activities that are fulfilling for me, which is oftentimes more of the secular, quote unquote, gospel here, that you're going to be happy when you get whatever it is that you want. That's usually what the secular world says. But what the church teaches is that you become happy when you give your lives to others. I was actually listening to a podcast and it was a, a secular podcast and they were talking about this. There, there's these monks that were studied and these monks, they get up at 3 a.m. in the morning. They do their prayer. They do hard, hard work. They're often in solitude through, through prayer through the day to day and spend time in the religious community. They have a vow of poverty and so on. All these sort of things fly in the face of what the world would, would envision happiness to be. But they found that they were some of the most happy people in the world because life was so simple. It was so devoted to God. And the, they were doing the things that really fed the soul as opposed to engaging in the materialistic world. All right. Well, let's see. Maybe one more question here. This, this question is, does God create a plan B vocation if plan A isn't happening? So if plan A, I don't know, maybe is marriage or something, that's not happening for some reason or another, whether it's to the fault of the person asking the question or outside of the person, does God work a plan B, so to speak, in, into our lives? I think this question is really cute. Uh, so God's plan A is always going to happen. His plan A is that you become a saint, that you learn how to love and how to receive him into your life. And I think that at the heart of this question is, what if I miss my vocation? Does God have a backup plan for me? I like to think of it the way I think of this one program for children. I think it's called the Love and Logic Institute or something like that. But they teach parents to avoid having tantrums with their two-year-olds by giving the two-year-old choices. So if you want your two-year-old to wash their hands, you give them two choices, but both choices are what you want them to do. So you might say to them, do you want to wash your hands in the kitchen or in the bathroom? And then they make a choice. I think God does the same thing with us. He has choices and both of them are going to lead us to where he wants us to go in life. So with your vocation, you do have choices, but either way, they're going to lead you to greater self-sacrifice, to greater prayers, to greater relationship with God. And I'd also add that I think that when people are called to consecrated life, they have the grace for a consecrated life present in their souls. They could choose to get married anyway, but that grace is always going to be there. And so in marriage, they might choose to be married, they might live a faithful life as a married person, but there might always be this subtle lack of fit. I know that I had a vocation. But yes, you can pursue different vocations even if God calls you to one. And 
He will still meet you where you are at. He will still bless your life, give you tremendous graces. You don't need to be afraid about getting it wrong. Some people will say, I'm stupid. I'm going to miss my vocation. God knows you're stupid, and he's going to work with you anyway. I'd like to add in there, too, that God's going to take whatever you give him in the choices that you give him. He lays out his perfect will. His perfect plan for us is to be in relationship with him no matter what way that we go. There may be certain things along the way in which he leads us to a more permanent vocation of marriage or priesthood, religious life, and so on. The, what, what, I, what I think about is certain things can get in the way of our vocation to a certain extent. So number one, it could be decisions that we make with our past or marriage is one of those things where it takes two, it takes the couple and God to work. So there's two imperfect people trying to get something to, to work out. And maybe say a couple got married and they were not well formed in what marriage was all about. They ended up separating. There, there was still a commitment that they made to each other, a lifelong commitment in a sense, they may still be called to one another. It may just look a little bit differently, but that's where the human sin element gets in the way sometimes. But yeah. I, I'll, I'll add in there that I, I think about the story of Abraham, where he and Sarah, his wife Sarah, were having trouble having kids. And then Sarah, this was not God saying this, but Sarah said, hey, take my, my servant here, Hagar, sleep with her, and then we can have a child through her. And she gives birth to Ishmael. But that went against God's plan. 13 years later, God confronts Abraham and says, here's your sin. This was your sin. But I promise that it will be through Sarah that the world will be blessed. But you will also see blessing through Ishmael as well. So even through the sin, the wrong that came, a blessing came forth as well. Yeah, absolutely. And God works even in the midst of our human sin but also in the midst of our human choices. We make choices all the time and we don't have to be afraid that we're going to get things wrong and it's going to mess up the trajectory of our lives because if we do make a choice that wasn't what God wanted, he's going to circle back. He's going to bring us back to where he wants us to be and he's always going to give us the opportunity to grow in holiness. Awesome. Well, I think we can wrap up here and I just want to say thank you so much for Spoke Street being here and helping us run the technology for these podcasts. And also, thank you all for for joining and watching our podcast. You can find my podcast, Catholic Single and Flourishing. Go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button. And yes, please listen to my podcast as well. He leadeth me. And let's close with a prayer and then we can go to Mass. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father, thank you for blessing us today in this time together. We pray that you will bless us in this time of seek all the attendees, all the speakers, help us to discern your will and walk forward according to what it is that your promises are for our lives. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more info on the SEEK conference, visit seek.focus.org. This episode of the SEEK24 podcast was produced by Spoke Street. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.